This is the Dreadful Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We're watching Penny Dreadful, City of Angels, Episode 6, How It Is Rip Brothers. You know how this works. How it works is I give you two straight arrows first shot because that's the kind of world I wish we lived in. And then like countless well-meaning precinct captains before me, I give in to reality. Murphy's drunk in reality. How it works is you find me a patsy to take the Hazlitt rap like I told you to do, and Riley never gets killed, and that poor dumb kid never winds up in the cooler in the first place. But you didn't do that, did you? So now we've got another problem, and it just has to get solved one way or another, because that's just how it works. Fine, we'll solve it. Welcome back, fellow Penny Faithful. This is TV Podcast Industries. We're here to talk about Penny Dreadful, City of Angels, Episode 6, How It Is With Brothers. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there, fellow Dreadfuls. I'm one of your other hosts, John. And rounding out this trio, I'm Chris. How you doing, guys? Nice to have you back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, 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 it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a time in the world. Mm. It really is. Yes, it uh, it feels weird that we're we're covering something that has a lot of racism uh, built into the dynamics of the society of nineteen thirties, late nineteen thirties LA, mm -hmm. uh, and we have um, the what's happening on our TV screens once we turn off City of Angels and we turn on the news and we have, um, I suppose, what happens when you don't address it really. Um, and, uh, it's, it's a little strange, um, uh, for, uh, I think for me, certainly at least to, to see what's happening in America, mm -hmm. uh, for sure. Oh, definitely. Definitely. You know, we've, we've dealt with challenging shows before. I think a big example of that would be Watchmen would be quite a challenging show that we've covered before. Um, I think just the timing of this one happening on a, a week of well, six days really where there's so much going on in the U.S., very much related to the concepts that are in the show. Like I think John Logan mentioned this show as a reflection of what's going on in society in 2019 when he wrote the show. But, you know, there couldn't be a more relevant piece of entertainment on television, I suppose, this weekend than Pain Dreadful City of Angels, I think. Yeah, and I, I think just the opening of our podcast with the conversation held by Captain uh, Vanderhoff, mm -hmm. um, we, I think it's, it's really pertinent, um, this idea of um the just the i suppose it's difficult enough to say but the how police maybe have always looked for for that patsy and uh the the racism that can underpin it or the bias uh in in people mm -hmm. uh even if they don't mean to to be racist yeah yeah it's tough um we are not american uh -huh. We have American friends. We have family in America. Yeah. We, um, we are three Caucasian men, um, of, uh, from a race perspective. And it is sometimes, I don't mean, we don't mean, I don't mean this per, I can't speak for you too. So I will speak for myself. I don't mean this as a platitude. Mm -hmm. I don't mean this as anything. I am watching, um, I have been in contact with a lot of my friends and just been constantly checking in because this is so close. And it is also coming at a time 
where the world is, and from an emotional perspective, the world is burning already from Corona. We have been locked indoors. Emotions or tensions are high and it gets worse. But from my own personal perspective, and again, I, I, I believe I speak for the three of us. Mm-hmm. We, Absolutely. we are completely against racism. We are 100% for inclusion. Mm-hmm. We believe and stand with every black American mm-hmm. person around the world. Uh, employee of the Penny Dreadful City of Angels, of every podcast we listen to or TV show we've covered, um, every film, the storytellers, the writers, the, the, the art directors, the costume, anyone. And to be fair, even the whole entire black community. Mm-hmm. Um, we are there. We will unite and listen to you and speak out when we can and when the opportunity arises. We are three podcasters from Ireland, um, and it's not about a platform or a soapbox to, um, for us to give our views. This is just, it is, the world is on fire from a medical perspective and now from a emotional, um, partnership and relationship perspective. And I really hope in the same way that we're seeing so much footage from the US of what's been going on the last six days of, of everything that's led to the riots and everything that's led to the protests that's been going on. I really do hope that what's been done around the world, a lot of, uh, marches in solidarity that happened in Ireland or happening in New Zealand, uh, a lot of other countries around the world who are very supportive of of everybody that's affected by this in America. You know, the, the only message we can really say is just stay safe. You know, that's, yeah. that's yeah. what's all about. That's the biggest you know? one. Um, and if you do need to go out and protest and mm-hmm. show your um, your uh, your solidarity, mm-hmm. please wear a mask. Yeah. Yes. Just remember that Corona is still out there. It is still a massive mm-hmm. medical issue, pandemic worldwide. So stay safe in all senses of the world. Absolutely. Uh, and I think as well, we also, we also realize that this is obviously happening in the US, but that every country, Ireland included, uh, needs to reflect on how they treat people of color. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's really important. Um, and to recognize that even if we feel that we're not racist and that there are biases there that can influence uh, and we need to be open and mindful of that and to talk about it so that we can progress this and for sure and from my side as well one of the things i believe or my view is that um when you allow lies to, dare I say it, trump the truth, mm-hmm. um, then you're in, in the words of Louis Meachner, the detective of City of Angels, you have shit that begets shit that begets shit. Mm-hmm. And we're in a whole pile of shit at the moment. Yes, we have now come together in the solidarity and we have talked about the hurt. So let's talk about something nice. Let's talk about what binds us and our listeners, which is talking about these TV shows that we cover. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, if you want to, we are all in the group on Facebook. We're on Twitter. If you want to discuss and you just want to chat to us about Mm -hmm. anything, any of our listeners, we're always there. Um, We're always there. We we are a community. It's not a platitude. We are there for each other. So if you want to talk about anything, come talk to us. 
And if you want to email us directly, you can email us at feedback at TV Podcast Industries. I always pick up those uh, emails, so uh, pop them on to yeah, us. He's a night owl as well, so yeah. any time of the day. I never, I never it's think so. It's great. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, I, <laughs> I know we've talked about this, but I'm, I'm sure um, uh, you guys probably felt the same as I did. This uh, did affect my watching of the episode. I felt this was probably a bit more uncomfortable to watch this episode than they could have even imagined i think so we'll probably refer to a couple of things as we as we go through the episode as well but uh but yeah let's get yeah. into the actual episode. it's a strange thing where art uh imitates life but i have life to i have to think yes. yeah but i have exactly. to think john logan knew that this has happened recently enough in american yeah, history exactly. as well this isn't something that is just confined to the 1930s so i'm sure he was aware that this is going to be a very sensitive topic because it's something that has happened uh, reasonably regularly, unfortunately, and very sadly uh, in the US. I I am not going to lie. I haven't said this to you two before, but I was like, I was literally considering skipping this episode Mm -hmm. because I was like, I was just like, okay, I don't, I, I don't know if I have the mental fortitude Mm -hmm. to discuss this without, with a concise and non- Verbal scream slash uh, profanity induced tirades sometimes, yeah. but I will do. I have since my watch. I have taken a few deep breaths. I don't believe in that mindfulness <laughs> craziness, but it's great. If you do it works for everyone. Mindfulness so is where it works for some, it works mm-hmm. for others. Um, it does work for me. So I went outside. I took a couple of deep breaths. I read a comic book, a quick 30 something pager, Excellent. and then I came back to this. <laughs> so let's get into it. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's get some, some nice thoughts to begin with yes. on the episode. We do have a review that came into us over on iTunes once again. Thanks again for every that's been given us reviews over on iTunes. It's something that we never ask for and <laughs> for people to actually give us reviews. We've been going for 496 episodes and for our main podcast, the one that's, that's had all 496 episodes, I think we have five reviews because uh, mm-hmm. we very rarely actually ask for, we do occasionally ask for them, but very rarely. I, so it's so it's absolutely lovely that we get some reviews in uh, to us. Don't we always say, share the love, share the podcast? That's a different Rate thing. us, leave us a review. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't normally say that. You might say that. But we did get a brand new uh, review over on Apple Podcasts from uh, titled A New Listener from America, Now a Big Time Fan by Pool Player 937 it says, I'm fairly new to TV podcast industries, but I've recently started seeking out podcasts for currently airing shows that I watch to supplement my interests. I started this podcast after the third episode this season and haven't looked back. When I first saw the length of the podcast, I couldn't imagine how they could fill it with insightful takes. But these guys deliver each and every week, leaving me excited for for the next episode. Also, maybe I could be drawn in because Ancestry.com says I'm 22% Irish. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent stuff. That's great. Yeah. Great. Thanks, Paul Player 937 uh, Glad you're enjoying our, uh, yeah, relatively long takes for mm-hmm. TV shows. I think even by our standards, this is longer than average. Normally, we're mm. on the hour mark. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, we've been doing a few 90 minutes there recently. That's true. Uh, but it is one of these things that when we were doing the recap of the first season of, or the first three seasons of Penny Dreadful, the original three, um, they are kind of so layered and textured mm. with detail and the writing is so good and the acting performances are so good that you um have so much to talk about uh whether you like it or not you know so it's i, I think uh that is one of the occupational hazards for uh penny dreadful <laughs> yeah 
yeah, thank you so much, buddy, uh, for the review. Just, yeah, as the guys say, sometimes I can't even imagine how we've gone and talked for 90 plus minutes sometimes. Mm-hmm. Now, not going to lie, once we spoke for two and a bit hours, and uh, <laughs> it was Derek's job to then, then get that down to 90 minutes, yep. that was the difficult yeah, one. Yeah, that certainly was. Uh, that took me two days. <laughs> yeah. So don't do that today. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we're going to keep it concise today. Absolutely. We also, as John mentioned, we do like if you could share our episodes on social media and share uh, us on social media as well. So we also got a kind of review or a recommendation uh, from Anitra Leira over on Twitter, uh, who said, I enjoyed the TV podcast industry's cover of Watchmen. The British perspective was interesting and they gave a lot of info from the original texts. And of course, the official podcast uh, that Damon Lindelof did centered, the, centered around the creative team around women and people of color, which affected the show profoundly. And TV podcast industries after listening to your Watchmen podcasts all in one go, almost. Sometimes you, your overly confident predictions were wildly inaccurate, but the accents <laughs> made it charming when you made your mea culpas. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There you go. <laughs> I do love my wildly inaccurate predictions. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's mm-hmm. one of the fun things. I can pull, I can pull a lot of wild, and that's a very nice way of p- calling me, uh, or and kind of saying that usually I am so wrong. Mm-hmm. So so wrong, but I, I say it with such conviction mm-hmm. that you could think it was correct. Isn't there a saying around that? <laughs> potentially, potentially. I think there is, and I sure can't remember it, it. Yeah. Say it with confidence. Yes, that's all. That's all that They're confidence. about believing people of conviction. Uh, yes, <laughs> but yes. Anywho, but we were very clear, so I think, specifically Nitro. during Watchmen, because we knew how complex the comic book was, and if the show was anything to go by, we kind of were pretty clear that if we did make a prediction, we kind of write it down so we could return to it as the show went on and apologize when it was definitely confirmed to know we definitely got quite a few things wrong in that. But, hey, that's the fun of podcasting, isn't it? Yeah. Grand theories that are ultimately uh, built on dust are great. <laughs> and we have a lot of them here uh, on the podcast. It's the fun of watching TV shows. Exactly. But, uh, yeah. Thanks again, Anitra Leira. That's a really good idea to, to recommend TV Pod Industries. Uh, if you are over on Twitter, you can find us there at, at TV Pod Industries over on Twitter. Yes, thank you so much, Anitra. Uh, we also have one tiny little favor to ask for all of our listeners. We don't ask much, but we, sometimes when we do, we would love the army of the, the, indus- the industrials. Industrials? The industrial yeah. army, yes. The industrial army to rise up and to head over to britishpodcastawards.com slash vote. And maybe just kind of in the listener choice section, consider uh, awarding your vote for TV podcast interviews. Mm-hmm. It would be a lovely uh, thank you and we would really appreciate it. It's just a way to show your love and for us to uh, receive it in a way of an accolade through the British TV podcast. <laughs> Very communist of you, Chris. Mobilising the thank workforce. You. Yes, thank exactly. <laughs> or the British yeah. Podcast Awards. Yes, BritishPodcastAwards.com yes. slash vote. That's it. Yes, so not just TV podcasts. So uh, there will we will be up against every single sports <laughs> podcast in the UK. Yeah. The awards themselves are run by BBC Sounds, who do about 60 podcasts in the UK. So very unlikely that we'd be massively high up 
But it would be lovely if you'd pop on over there. And that Come on, fellow podcast li- listeners. Let us beat the BBC into second place. I'm sure we can. Yeah. <laughs> that would be kind of awesome. <laughs> that would be amazing. But <laughs> unlikely. Yes. Yes. Gentlemen, let's get into our discussion about Petty Dreadful. City of Angels, episode six, How It Is With Brothers. Uh, once again, the episode was directed by Roxanne Dawson. We spoke about it last week. Um, done many, many great shows and was a great actress before starting on our path to direction. Um, this episode was once again not written by John Logan. It was written by Winnie Wilhelm. Um, ah, Winnie Wilhelm. I love that name. That. Ah, Winnie Wilhelm. Chris. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ah, sorry, so I, good. I, 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 waited, I waited until now for a German accent. Come Do you know, on. That, that is a fab name. My love apologies. It. That was That's uh, obviously based on the two and a half years I just spent in Switzerland that I've just called him Winnie Wilhelm. I'm not sure how that's how he would pronounce it. Uh, I should well, have checked I, that out. If you <laughs> sent uh, Wilhelm. I think yeah. as, as English speakers, we would say Winnie Wilhelm. Yes. And as uh, German speakers speaking English, we would say Winnie Wilhelm. That's true. Yes, that's so true. Yes, we'll, we'll put both in. Yes. Uh, there we go. We've covered the bases. <laughs> yeah. But this is Vinny's first episode of Petty Dreadful. Uh, he has written episodes of Castle Rock and The Terror before. Uh, one of the things I've been noticing on some of the online uh, forums, places like Reddit and uh, some of the places that are doing kind of reviews and chat. Uh, about Penny Dreadful City of Angels, a lot of people comparing this to The Terror. Um, the Terror had a lot less supernatural elements to it, but was a very scary show. I know you watched the full first season of that, mm. didn't you? Um, really interesting show on AMC, I think, in, in the US. Yeah, it was done by Scott Productions. So, um, and of course, like, it's such a, a great story, this idea of a ship called HMS Terror. I mean, like, who calls a ship that? That's like saying, look, here's my lovely child called Adolf mm-hmm. um, or something like that. <laughs> um, you just kind of don't, I suppose, uh, anymore. Mm. Uh, yeah. Or it's the bit- Titanic calling a ship. Oh, we're, we're about to launch... Uh, McTitanic Titanic face well, or something like that. I yeah, don't know. I certainly don't call it the unsinkable Titanic. Uh, no. That's a really bad idea. <laughs> that's just asking. But it, it was excellent. It's this whole idea of a boat and its crew trapped uh, in the ice and just what that does to um, the crew, you know, mm-hmm. the, the terror as much of um, the crew in that situation compared to, uh, let alone just the name of the ship. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Vinny worked over on that as well. So nice cool. to have him on board for uh, Penny Dreadful. City of Angels, season one, let's say. Maybe you'll be back uh, if we get a second season of this show. But John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the episode? Or their synopsis for the episode? Sure. Detectives Thiago Vega and Louis Michener interrogate young Pachuco Diego, seeking a confession whilst Louis senses Thiago is hiding something from him. Miss Adelaide warns Molly about her personal desires jeopardising the temple's future. Townsend learns of Kurt's surprising past, and Peter Kraft makes a dramatic decision about his marriage with Linda. Meanwhile, Maria tracks down Matteo and pleads with him to come home back to the family. Yes, back to his family. Yes, despite the uh, assertion from Rio and Fly Rico that they're his new family. He does have the Vega family uh, in the back pocket. Uh, lots to talk about in this episode, but um, predominantly this is the interrogation episode of the show. Um, they have regularly done on, on the original series of Penny Dreadful. You would have these episodes which are set up in one room with just a few characters. So uh, this felt little, from that perspective a little bit like the original Penny Dreadful, where you have three characters 
kind of holding everything together. And I have to say, just my own take on the episode, the tension that is in there for this episode, I think, is really well balanced. It felt tense every moment that they left that room. That clock was ticking going, you only have five more minutes. You yeah, have, definitely. You know, 30 minutes, 10, 20 minutes, 10 minutes, you know, to get this sorted. So I felt that they were really did the, a great job with the tension in the episode. Yeah, big big time. Um, I think uh, I, I, I thought it was just phenomenal, actually. Right. Um, and I, I think... That's to my my big moment because I, I think that final. So yeah, I suppose my my big moment is the mud hens, the interrogation. But mm-hmm. I think more specifically, it's that final moment of of Lewis, um, with both Tiago previously, and then finally with um Diego. Were I think in his weary state, um, he does what has been asked of him by Vanderhoff, which is to get this patsy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also just been informed that his, um, his partner is keeping secrets from him, is lying to him. And I think that's the whole thing. This interrogation builds, you know, slowly builds up that tension, uh, that, that runs through this episode and it culminates in um, this this last scene between Tiago, Lewis uh, and Diego, which mm-hmm. is phenomenal. Um, and I, I love it. I mean, you were talking about the time element of, you know, Vanderhoff saying, well, you've got 45 minutes. Um, Lewis sits down right at the end in this scene and says to Diego, you have 30 minutes um, until um, we can talk as much as uh you like but murphy and his gang of of and his crew of cops um they're not going to talk they're going to be physical yeah. uh, and then after everything gives diego 5 minutes to effectively think it over um and uh confess mm-hmm. and and i think additional to that time you just have the tension um between i think multiple different tensions between the the cops led by Murphy and mm. Tiago and Lewis uh, as the detectives. You have the tension uh, between Tiago and Diego. You know this the knowledge that Diego has that he knows Mateo is Tiago's brother. Tiago knows he knows, and he knows that the other people in in the room, i.e. Lewis, don't know him, don't yeah. know this. And um, and as such you have that tension then with Vega and Michner. And um, you know, the secret, the betrayal, and, and ultimately then the resolve. But you know, you kind of get this fissure between these two um characters which, you know, coming off the back of Maria and Lewis's uh discussion in, in front of the Santa Muerta last uh week about how Michener had given him the the start here with Vega as a detective, mm-hmm. and that you know Maria being so thankful, and yet then as Chris you pointed out, Diego kind of falls in last week's episode, and um, and he continues here. I mean, even just with the opening where you have it's been a long night uh, as Michener's having a an early morning swig of, of whiskey, uh, but he lies immediately and um, to Lewis. Um, saying that you know he he doesn't know who this this fourth person is mm-hmm. i.e. mateo and of course hanging over all of this um and i suppose what gives the episode its title is the tension uh off screen or at least in different scenes between the two brothers of tiago and mateo and mm-hmm. um, that 
that moment where Thiago comes clean to Lewis because Lewis has has understood what's going on in this interrogation. Um, like it, I love the fact that Nathan Lane plays. It's world weary, but it's world weary in the sense that he's perceptive. He knows how the world works. Yeah. It's in the sense of it's not that he's not trying to change it, but it's in the same sense as with Vanderhoff, uh, where he says, um, you know, there's reality. Um, and then there's reality. I, I'm a good intention captain. I want this to go like this, but then I'm, I'm confronted with re- reality. And my boss wants the, the patsy. He wants this all done. And you, you have, um, you know, Lewis, he understands the world in which he, he lives as, um, someone of Jewish, uh, heritage and knows that the cards are stacked and, in a sense, that delivery then to Diego is he knows he's stacking the cards in the same way as is done against him. Um, and it, it's really tragic. It's, it's really tragic because it, you can see at the end, um, you know, when he says to Diego, that's the smart play kid. I mean, it, it's a wonderful kind of monologue that Lewis provides and, and acted by Nathan Lane. Mm. Um, uh, but the end of it is that's the smart play kid. You're, you're doing the right thing and you just see Lewis's expression. Um, and he doesn't believe it, but he also, um, realizes where him and Tiago are. He's trying to protect Tiago in some way, but at the same time doesn't care about his, his brother. And yeah. then is trying to get something for Vanderhoff. So like, I, I just thought it was just massively um fantastic. I, I loved how it all weaved through. Um I think uh, it was just a class um a class act from Nathan Lane here. Mm-hmm. And with and also by um Daniel Zavato as Tiago, um, you know, playing Mr. Angry. Mm-hmm. Um they you know, he, you can see He's caught between his job and his family, but his family is always going to win out the anger of trying to get the confession out of Diego. And Diego then, you know, uh, Adan Russia, um, who plays Diego is just awesome as you, you think he's going to break. You really do. Um, he, he has this kind of inward looking, uh, side to him. He's looking down at the desk. And then when he's left alone with Tiago, you see this, different side of him where he is effectively trying to call the shots with Tiago mm-hmm. um, and, and the loyalty that he has to Rio, Flyrico and Matteo in particular that he won't grasp them up um, and then that kind of exasperation at the end, um, you know, his, his journey in that interrogation room is up, down, up, down, up, down and um, when he realises actually what he's going to be allowed to do here by Lewis Mm -hmm. because he's no longer got the leverage of knowing Tiago's secret. And he knows that. And, and also the, the wide eyes, the fear of this, the thought of being let in the same room uh, on his own uh, with Murphy um, and the other cops who are effectively going to beat him. I mean, you hear that moment where Murphy says, I'm leaving the, the teeth for uh riley's kid when mm. he when he grows up you That's know or him, yeah. the, the the lacucaracha uh whistling and uh just the baiting that murphy does to tiago yeah, and, and then hearing them in the toilet as tiago effectively decides 
okay, I'm leaving the bullets in this gun because these guys are like, you know, he, he realizes, um, Diego is, is in trouble. Yeah. I, I definitely want to talk about that and want to come back to that as well. But I think the moment I found really interesting in this whole scene with, uh, with Diego was, when he realizes his way out, you know, this is the mud hen story. This is what yeah. they do as a defense mechanism. He's looking for his way in. He's looking for what his defense mechanism is going to be throughout that initial interrogation that Tiago's doing. And then the minute he learns that um, Lewis doesn't know that it's his brother, that nobody has turned in Mateo, he knows his way out. And from that point onwards, and I have to say, in the, in terms of interrogation scenes, in terms of the techniques that are being used by Tiago to try and get this kid to admit to killing or being the only one that killed Riley, which is what he wants out of him, yeah. all of the techniques he's using, I'd be absolutely terrified in that room. I'd, I'd give up every, everybody for it. But because Diego has this piece of information, nothing's going to work on him from that point yeah. onwards. He's yeah. not going to be intimidated at all because he knows this guy, Tiago, is not going to give up his brother. He knows that this is what brothers do for each other. They yep. save each other. So uh, I thought it was really interesting, but let's have a quick chat about that moment in the bathroom because I, I'm not sure how it started and how it ended. I'm not sure what the intention was because at the beginning you hear Diego say, just give me your gun and I'll get my, my own way out of here. If you can't do anything, I'll fight my own way out of here. And that's I understand yeah. that's why Tiago's going to take the bullets out is because he's going, okay, does that mean he's saying... He will give the gun to Diego and Diego will die in a hell of bullets and then it'll all be sorted because he won't have any way of shooting anybody with a, a, a gun with no bullets in it. Yeah. Obviously the rest of the cops are going to fire on him and kill him. So, yeah. and then he puts the bullets back in and when he goes back into the room and Lewis does, um, try and get the kid to give all the information up just before he gives it up. Diego pushes Diego onto the table and puts the gun to his head. So is he going to actually kill him there? before Lewis takes him out of the room. Is he actually, again, going to say, actually, no, I won't leave it to chance. I'm going to kill this kid so that I, I think I think it's Has he been pushed this far? Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think it's a, a, a threat, at least initially. Maybe he was going to kill him. That's why he puts the bullets back in. And I suppose this is one of the things. It's just, is he going to um, go with Diego's plan hmm. um, and hopefully effectively from Tiago's point of view Diego gets killed or is it that he was just going to scare him with the gun but he took out the bullets in case or that's how they were going to have the fight that but he didn't kind of move on to that because Lewis intervened exactly. uh, beforehand what do you think Chris so I took it as he was going to let so the whole thing is when he he unclips it mm -hmm. the gun in the holster it and it's visibly noticeable to T Diego, so that's yeah. the sign and Diego reaches for it. Mm. So the whole thing was that he would have a gun and in his mind be able to escape with the gun. Um, yes, the initial part in the thing is where Tiago is taking out the bullet was like, I can't see fellow police officers die because of what I'm trying to get my brother out. Yeah. So it would be to a degree, he'll either get out or he'll go down in a hail of bullets. Mm -hmm. Most likely the, the latter. Then based on what Murphy and the rest of them say, uh, and as racist as they are, mm -hmm. uh, and as violent as they say they're going to be. Yeah. I the pinata comment. The, like there's certainly no yeah, and there's certainly no moments when they're saying we're going to beat the information out of them. 
they're saying no, they're how, how many times do you think we're going to have to hit him before yeah. he explodes effectively before yeah. he's beaten to a pulp um yeah. there is no question that these guys are going to kill him in the pursuit or in under the uh, explanation that they are interrogating him but yeah. so then he puts the bullets back in mm-hmm. to the the point of okay he can take a few of these guys out. These guys okay. are not fellow officers to me. Then he goes back into the room. He's going along with the plan. Diego, he unclips it so that when he gets close, Diego can grab it. Mm-hmm. But then Diego oversteps the line because yeah. he is about to give up Mateo yeah. Yeah. in that point. And he's going too far. And that's where Tiago slips yeah. and, go, and goes, screw this. Yeah. I'll do it myself. And kind of just throws the the the, the gun to his temple, mm-hmm. and in that instant, I say he would have done it. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he was that close. You can see the shake and the way that uh, um, Daniel Zavato portrays that point. He he's visibly like amped on adrenaline. Yeah. He's like it's fight or flight, and in this case, it was fight. Yeah. And it's only when, as you said, it's only because. Uh, Michener, uh, Nathan Lane is able to pull him into the corner and then out. Mm-hmm. It's that is the, the the saving grace, if you will. Absolutely, yeah, um, absolutely. And I feel like we've been waiting a lot of episodes this season for a big Tiago moment. He's been the uh, perspective of the audience a lot. We're tra- we're following along with him throughout everything that's been going on and affecting yeah. his day-to-day life in the city of angels yeah. but i feel this was really his episode i think daniel zavada was really good in this episode yeah and yeah. he conveyed everything that was going on but one final thing that i have on, the, on your point John. <laughs> no, that's great um, that's, why, that's why we did exactly it is the biggest point in the whole episode it is, it so is. i think i think we're all going to take parts of it absolutely but i i loved that they called out that um tiago has a different read on why mateo did what he did i love that he has a really good explanation as to why he believes it's his own fault and not Riley's fault that Riley's dead. He believes that because he shot his other brother, Raul, and Matea saw that, and because Tiago is working for the police, he's effectively punishing the police for what Tiago did, not yeah. anything to do with Riley. He hasn't heard anything about the molestation that yeah, Riley exactly. visited on his sister. He still doesn't know any of that information. Matteo hasn't said it. Um, his sister Josefina swore him to secrecy to not tell uh, Tiago about this. So Tiago's going off this misunderstanding almost that his kid brother is so annoyed that he has joined the police force and shot at his brother because he's on the side of the police that he's willing to go and kill another officer and start a war with the police. I think that's a really interesting uh, twist on Tiago. Not, not, not that much of a twist, sorry. I just think it's interesting yeah. that he said it out loud that this is what he thinks is actually happening and is blaming himself so much. But it, it feels it feels really right. I mean, that I think Tiago, that desperation uh, when he kind of pours all of that out to Lewis and he says, you know, so what are you going to do? Um, like just that desperation. Are you, because he, he, you know, Lewis has just basically said, well, what about that kid? He's good. He couldn't have mm-hmm. killed anyone. Um, and you have, but he's not family. He's not my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, he's not my family. Um, and I, I love that Lewis says, you know, that's too easy. Um, I, I, th- I think the two of them just play it off so 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 well um in in that corridor yeah. um and then to go in with that monologue from lewis um i just 
thought was fabulous. Um, Getting emotional just from the sound of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I I felt really kind of connected with this, and I I kind of was there with Lewis, um, where he talks about you know his, his father as a kid, and he talks about no more horses, um, yet poor folks will always be left with the shit, yeah. um, yeah. he, he he connects with the chain of events, um, that Vanderhoff has effectively just said about you know you had. Hazlitt, that's a big pile. You've got the riots and four dead cops, eight dead Mexicans. That's a big pile. And then Riley uh, cuffing you uh, in in this chair mm-hmm. um, and beating on him. Again, another pile. Uh, and we get to that fantastic line of shit begets shit begets shit. And now just look where we are. Yeah. But then he goes, but you're playing like a gambler sitting on a full house. Now, let me tell you what cards you're actually holding. I thought it was fabulous. And he just says, you'll go to San Quentin and you'll either go as a rat or a goddamn hero. Um, It's your choice. And whichever choice you make, I'll make sure that people know about it. Yeah. And it's terrifying, this whole piece with Vanderhoff and with Michener here. Like, these are supposed to be the police in the city. They're supposed to be our good guys almost because we've been following since the first episode. But what we have here is we have a kid who looks to be about 17, 18, very young into the Pachuco gang, definitely. And he's effectively going down for the murder of a family. Yeah. And being told, even though Michener is convinced this kid couldn't have murdered anybody, even Riley, even though he may have been in the in the place itself where Riley was killed, Lewis is saying this guy didn't do anything. But now by the end of the episode, he's taking credit for the murders of four people, the Hazlitts, plus the murder of Riley. This is one of the really scary things that's come out over the last number of years in investigations in America. These plea bargains have been going on for centuries, or almost a century now, where something like 50% or 60%, I'm going to get that percentage because it's very important I don't uh, misquote this, but a massive proportion of people who are who are arrested in the US take a plea deal without going to any kind of court case or any kind of investigation and end off going to prison for it because it's easier for the system. And that's yeah. what's happening right here. Lewis doesn't want his partner's brother arrested for the murder that he actually did commit. So he found he's found a patsy here, which will make it easier for the cops and calm down a violent on street altercation between the cops and the the citizens of L.A. That's what's happened here. And that's what happens very regularly. This is absolutely the most incendiary part of this episode. And for me, the most difficult part to watch was seeing Lewis, who I really respect as a character in the show. And the acting is fantastically portrayed, but seeing him look at this kid and go, right, let's just close this down. That's what the captain wants. It saves your brother. No, I, I, dis- I disagree. I don't think he is nonchalantly doing that. No, I think it's tearing him apart. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I mean at yeah. the end where he says, it's the smart play because it gives you the best outcome. Mm-hmm. You will be in prison, but you won't be going to that gas chamber that effectively Tiago's just uh, frightened the crap out of him mm-hmm. with, with showing. Um, but... By going there now, I will. You go as the hero that will be spread, and it may be you get out. Yeah. Um. Otherwise, you're dead. Otherwise, you're beaten up, and you're dead. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, um, you go as a rat, and and you're you're going to be dead in, in San Quentin. Yeah. Um. And you see the struggle that Lewis has with that. And yeah. I think that's what is so amazing about this is that someone who doesn't actually want to do this. When he's weighing up the options, this is unfortunately Diego's um, best outcome. 
however crappy that really, really is. And that's what turns him up by having to do that. And given that's why he's so aggressive towards Thiago, because he has put him in that position to do that mm-hmm. along with Vanderhoff. And, and that's the problem. That's yeah. the end of their, that is the end yeah. of their partnership. Yeah. That's it. This is it. This mm-hmm. is the break that you have because yeah. Thiago pushes Michener going, you don't know what this is like. Yeah. You haven't lost anyone. Unbeknownst to Thiago, the yeah. whole, the two, the two Jews who were killed by the Nazis. Mm-hmm. That part of Michener's life has not been shared. Yeah. Um, and what we know about Michener is his honor is tied up in his personality, mm-hmm. his self-worth. Your son is a good man. He is a good officer. I, that's why I chose him as my partner. Yeah. That's why we are together. He has my back. I have his. Yeah. We are good police officers. And in the space of what the show is less than 24 hours. Yeah. Um, but for us, as two episodes. We have seen the fall of both men now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The last bastions of, if you will, good police officers in the LAPD mm-hmm. at this time. They are not racist. They are the minority, the Jew and the Mexican. They are the yeah. last bastions of hope for those minority mm-hmm. people or those minority um, communities. Yeah. And they have just sacrificed their honor in the space of one hour in order to save Tiago's yeah. brother. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Who we believe or they believe is worthy of saving. Yeah. We now know he is not. Yeah. Yeah. We we like he is he has decidedly stepped over that line Definitely. into the Pachucos. Mm-hmm. Uh, and has stepped away from familia. Like he is no longer family. In the words of Vin Diesel, you don't belong with your family. <laughs> like he is fast and the furious gone. Uh-huh. Like that was a terrible, again, I know my accents, but I'm trying to bring some levity to what is for me the hardest part of this, which is those two were so good together. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And they, exactly. And, like, and what we have seen is through uh, a series of unfortunate events. Yeah. Movie. Literally the destruction. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that's it. Like, you know, everybody feels that if there are people in these positions, they're able to make different choices and save people the way that and do police work right and, and not go down the same paths. But as I said, we had Vanderhoff going, this is not the way it goes. I was once an idealistic person. That's why I gave you guys the chance, but we're just going to go down the same path. We always go down. We're going to send the yeah. Irish racist cops in to beat this guy and kill him if you don't find. The, if you don't find the murderer here, that's but, basically. But the I also going think in. with Lewis, the point is, is that if immediately after, or even at the time, whilst they were investigating, leading up to the flop house, he had known mm-hmm. if there had been honesty from Tiago. Yeah. So this comes back to uh, uh, Chris's point from last week about Tiago slipping. Then it was it. Who knows? Like that's why I like Lewis because he he's kind of like he's kind of methodical and analytical, and he may have just said let Diego go because he may not have he may Maybe. have decided not even to yeah. bring back Diego to the precinct uh, the next day or a- after that long night, and um, simply because well he's gonna he's gonna be um, made responsible. He is gonna be this patsy, but because of how it unfolded. 
he is in that moment either is going to have to say, well, Mateo is, is the killer. Tiago, and that will impact Tiago, or Tiago is going to somehow kill or engineer the killing of Diego within. Mm. And so none of these outcomes for Diego are good now that he's in the precinct. Um, yeah. And yeah, it could have been different if Tiago had been, um, been honest with him, you know, like Lewis screams at him, you didn't tell me. And then says, we go back in there and you don't say anything. You've lost the right to be able to decide what happens. And it is, it's really tough. And I think that's what it's so phenomenal. I think that's why, um, as Chris was, I was tearing up. Like it's, it's just like, it's a real sadness because Tiago, as Chris is saying, doesn't understand Lewis's struggle because of his culture mm-hmm. uh, as a Jew, um, in the 1930s in America and with what's happening in Europe. Um, so it, it just, but, like, this will all, again, yeah. the, uh, our head, <laughs> a lot of us think it's kind of like around this time is, World War Two. If you are not too close into history, it's like, like the everyone always assumes the Jews were always persecuted and always it. There's an assumption there, like that they, they were not considered vast minorities in the U.S. Uh, until around World War Two, till things started getting very, very bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 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 a tough one. Like here we see two. As I had two minorities who are being sidelined and being, um, being forced to decide about duty versus honor or family and versus honor. Yeah. Um, it, it's weird. It's because America was supposed to be different from the old world yeah. because, because of the pogroms in, in Europe directed at, at the, at the Jewish community in, yeah. in Europe bef- way before. 1930s Nazi Germany and what have you, but that general pogroms against the the Jewish people that the US was supposed to be different. It was supposed that's where the old world is left behind, um, and this this new world, and yet everyone finds themselves in the same old uh, well mud hen uh, shit basically. Yes. Like it, the, the the systemic racism, like is that John Logan is bringing to the forefront, um, is and I, like I, I'm going to hand slide to Derek because one of his points or part of it, a partial element of his point does discuss how the racism mm. is not just in the police force; it, it is it, it is underlying in the Americas at this point mm-hmm. in time, um. So. Derek. Yeah, I just I just found the scene with um Kurt and uh Councilman Townsend uh, on the beach. I found it a really another really affecting scene. You know, I'm, I'm I find these scenes so difficult when they're put on screen. You know, it's it's this thing we talked about last week where Councilman Townsend is in a very happy place and we're starting to see him as a human. We're starting to see him being um understandable and relatable almost. And yeah. he's talking to this guy Kurt, who we know is a member of the Gestapo, but what this is what what we're seeing through Kurt's story is the activation of an American you know it almost what we've seen with uh, with terrorists around the world where he is sitting in his hometown looking around speaking about the idea that this area should be a whites only area why is somebody not speaking about this and then he reads Mein Kampf hears about the Fuhrer moves to moves to Berlin 
and says that's the place he wants to live. He joins the Nazi party, becomes a member of the Gestapo, and he says he's massively happy there and then then sent back to what he calls the filthy city of L.A. Yep. It's yep. absolutely horrible, but it's effectively the story of what's happened with terrorists around the world and how they are incited by their connection to uh, people that have the same beliefs as them. They get sent away from, they run away from their homes, get all the training, and then come back again to form incels or form uh, yep. terrorist organizations in their local community. You know, um, you can see Kurt, he's a surfer guy in LA. Basically, this is what, what we see from this intro to him in the episode. He's able to just yep. blend in with the standard surfers in LA. But, Blonde-haired, good-looking, yeah. sun-blushed, good in a pair of tight swimwear, mm -hmm. um, surfing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Can blend in with you, you anybody that else. Last part out. <laughs> you just focused on him versus the surfing part. <laughs> You know what I mean? And then he comes back to the beach and gives these absolutely abhorrent um, reasoning behind why he's back in this country. He doesn't even want to be here. He wants to be back in Berlin with all the other right-thinking people in his mind. And yeah. he's been sent back here to seed all of this hatred amongst other people like him. You know, it's yeah. it's a really horrible situation. And, you know, I'm questioning the rest of that conversation and i'm not too sure whether it was just that the writing i didn't feel was was great between how that conversation continued because he ends it saying it's a filthy city he hates it here it's full of people that he doesn't like the types of people he doesn't like and that's the bit that townsend is offended by it's not the fact that he's saying that he's against all of the other races that have moved to la it's that he hates la itself and townsend saying to him well i love la because I came here one way, I came here, wanted to be a dancer, was told I was too fat for it. And then I've now made myself into this very powerful figure here. So LA will, it doesn't care who you are once you arrive here, it cares who you are what, and what you make of yourself when you're in LA. Completely glossing over the fact that this guy has just said he's a Nazi and he doesn't want to be here. He wants to get rid of all the other races, you know. Um, we know Kenselman Townsend has no love for anybody who's not a white American. We know that from the very first introduction of the character. Yeah. But it's just a weird conversation where, is that the thing you took offense to? He doesn't yeah. like your city? Yeah. <laughs> um, he's not talking about town planning, like, you know. Yeah, because that was the bit that, that, that stood in such stark contrast to me. Yeah. Because I literally, I was, kind of whiplashed by that. Really? You, mm -hmm. he, he just doesn't like LA and you hate that part? And then that coupled with the rest of this episode uh, from uh, a Mexican and a, a kind of a Jewish perspective and every other race that is mentioned mm -hmm. by Kurt is like, oh yeah, racism was everywhere mm -hmm. back then. Yeah. Okay. You, you, you were white. You were right. You were big. You were powerful. You had the privilege. Everyone else. And there was no, it wasn't hidden or veiled. It just sometimes wasn't discussed. Yeah. Uh, aside from the, the, what was the, the, the cursatory kind of curse. They weren't even used as curse words back then. Like the, the C word or the S word, mm. uh, towards narratively discussing these races. There was just a word used. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, it, it, it be, it was just so systemic yeah, back absolutely. then it was accepted and that was the bit because it's like i don't care about you talking about all these other americans who people who were born here mm -hmm. or just because their race is slightly different it's the don't say anything bad about my city because the city is where i love and yeah. that's the crazy part 
And once again, because there's always got to be a contradiction in these types of speeches in this show. You hear what what he's saying here. You hear what um, what Curse is saying to Townsend. I didn't like that people were coming here, taking our jobs the kind of basic way that people were coming to our town, which is a white only town, living here where I don't want them to live. So I moved to Berlin. Yeah, exactly. I moved to Germany. I moved to another country and started taking on the ideals of people that I found there. And now I'm bringing them back to America. So I don't like immigrants. So I became an immigrant myself, yeah, exactly. left the country and then came back again. That, that That's that, that's the other weird thing, isn't it? On, on the immigration issue is mm-hmm. that, um, you know, as someone who's moved to Ireland and I have been sat in, in the back of taxis where the, and it's not a slight on taxi drivers, but some have kind of given out about yeah. not about me or not a person who is white and who has immigrated, mm-hmm. but a person who has come from and has color on their skin. And I'm kind of like, it's a very uh, tricky kind of conversation to, to be listening to mm-hmm. and to having to respond to, to that in a sense. But it's like, uh, I think that's the thing is here is that, here it is to white people and i think that's the thing with townsend's response is that implicit within everything he says even though it actually sounds really progressive and libertarian um that this city you can be who you want to be um as long as you make it effectively that it's not about race and not about color it's about whether you've got the chops to move up the the pecking order or make the best of your life as you can that almost seems like what he's saying but implicit within everything that he's saying is that but it excludes anyone who isn't white. Exactly. Yeah. And unless they're really, really famous, but even then it's grudgingly held. So that's the, I think that's where it's because actually, um, that they're two white people talking about it with a very overt bias in, in Kurt mm-hmm. uh, to the point where he's joined the Gestapo. But I think with Townsend, it, it's more introspective and, and, and maybe unconscious. Uh, bias element of it and all unconscious bait racism that he, he doesn't see it as an issue because everyone else who he, he works with is that. Yeah. The only thing I was wondering on this, which I found fascinating is, is this a chink? Cause as I say, for me, when Townsend talked about it, um, I just thought, okay, that's quite progressive Townsend in, in the sense of you can be who you want to be. You know, yeah. if, if you take it in the all encompassing way, um, then I just wonder, is this a chink to allow him to move beyond his racism and his racial bias within the story? Is it a, 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 an avenue for the writers to kind of say, well, he actually does begin to reassess his views? I don't know, maybe not. Hmm. But I just wondered because of how he responded to yeah. Kurt. Yeah. But I still think there was an underlying racism element there. Yeah. It, it's the, the funny part about this is these two men are gay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the other and thing, exactly. That's, <laughs> like, that is out and out hated in America at this point and in Germany yeah. at this point. Yeah. Like, it soon would be illegal in Germany within a couple of years. Yeah. It's the contradictions, um, absolutely. It's the contradictions. So, but it's also Townsend is starting more to accept that is he is becoming, he, he's becoming more accepting of this half of himself. Maybe. So it could be, as John says, the 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 first steps towards uh, redemption, mm-hmm. if you will. But I wouldn't be too sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, it feels like it's he's accepting his lover's point of view, 
you know yes exactly that, that's and more it's than the adoction nation as you said yeah and as it's as i mentioned last week you know i did feel like there was a point uh in episode five where it felt like uh counselor tenzen was kind of going maybe i can maybe i can live my life like this maybe i can come out and maybe i can be the first uh gay mayor of of la and then he was put back in his box by alex pretty quickly kurt sent over to the house or kurt over in the house that night to keep raining back in again you know let's get you back to normal here mate kind of thing uh, again i think there is still a question over whether kurt's gay or not because this seems to be his mission so. so uh make sure that we're that we're clear that we i'm not even sure if kurt is gay or whether this is all an act you know yeah. um but they're definitely uh they're definitely manipulating uh townsend into what they want them to do want them to do and he's not questioning what i would have thought he would be questioning out of this they're they're planted all this information all these seeds in his mind pretty well yeah. Okay. So we very much uh, kind of discussed part one of this, that the mud hens, the interrogation and the, the suing tragedy that comes from it. So we'll move on to, if you don't mind, my point for mm-hmm. this episode, which is faith versus love. Yeah. And how that theme plays in two major parts of this. So the first is Mateo. Um, it's the faith in the Pachucos versus the love of family. Mm-hmm. Um, so his faith in that the Pachucos are st- and Rio are staring him right and they want what's best for him versus the love of his family and what they want of him. Um, and it's, it's, it's interesting. We get vague, Mrs. Mammy Vega, like kind of coming up to the Pachuco flophouse, like to get Mateo. Yes, we do. And him based decidedly siding with the Pachucos and Rio and oh, I am one of them now. I am not a Vega. Mm-hmm. Um, so as an aside, very, very quickly, that split second where, um, Maria Vega looks at Rio. Yeah. Like there was, she turns around and stares deeply at Rio. Does she know that's Magda? We discussed this. Could this, could she be seeing through the, the guise that is Rio? I wanted more out of, out of that. Um, I think the scene and I'm sure I'm not going to go into it myself because I know you definitely loved it as well. But the, the scene itself, I think is really, really good. I absolutely love how the scene itself is played from a penny dreadful point of view. I really wanted there to be something like the only reason that Maria found the place is because she once again channeled, uh, Santa Muerta, uh, or maybe she is actually the embodiment of Santa Muerta because that's, that's why she's been getting so much that she wants from Santa Muerta. And if that's the case, there has only been one Magda, one version of Magda that she's met in the city of, of, uh, of LA. And that is Rio. She's not met any of the other versions. We, we noted that she was at the party for the kids, uh, at Dr. Kraft's house, but never once was she involved enough to have met um elsa uh, in yeah. those scenes there's no reason that she could have met uh councillor townsend's alex uh version of magda so this is a scene where we have the person that's channeling santa muerta meeting uh one of the magdas here and i don't know at all i thought there was going to be some kind of sparks flying between the two of them i thought there was going to be much more of a push potentially from rio to say you're not allowed here old woman um or something more from it, but it just felt like Rio was just Rio of the Pachucos, and yeah. and Maria was just the mother of Mateo, who knew where they were. Um, I I just wanted that flash. Mm, so when something. when Mama Vega turned around and looked at her mm-hmm. in, in that mid conversation, I wanted there to be just that kind of very much TV flickery of 
Rio turns back to Magda, goes back to Rio. It's oh, okay. a blink that would have been great, actually. Because yeah. that then, so, and I, I, I mean, and we'll discuss this more in a second. At the moment, the only penny dreadful, supernatural elementy of this so far has been the very kind of first episode. It, it's not, it's not as prevalent in this as I would, I would have hoped. Mm. Like, aside from Magda just being three different people, like, you could say it was almost triplets. Like, this is the triplets, this is the Magda slash Santa Muerte family, kind of, mm. and although they de- it's three triplets versus Santa Muerte, and they're just sowing deceit, deceit. Like, it's not super supernatural. And I would argue that with the first three seasons, the supernatural was the overarching element in the background of the eight episode first season, ten episode second season, eight episode third season. That that was the overarching nine episode third season. I always forget that. Uh, it was the overarching background element to it. But most people acted like we're in the Victorian era. Uh, this is how we act in the Victorian era. Um, so I, I do I understand what you mean. But yeah. I don't. I think the supernatural element, in a way, is actually more pre- prevalent because in every other episode, and that was my point, which I will talk about in a second. But in every other episode, we have had the character of Magda performing her supernatural act of hiding in plain sight and whispering in people's ears throughout the season so far. So uh, I do actually think it's almost a little bit more prevalent in uh, in this season. I think, uh, I yeah. I mean, I I thought I would like Chris it would have been nice to have had that recognition. And I think this idea of like Maria could see mm. beneath Rio and all of a sudden you just got kind of got that phase in and out of, of Magda appearing and it, it unsettles Maria. Um, and then maybe, you know, next episode we get to learn more where she's definitely praying her little cotton socks off to Santa Muerta, uh to, yeah. to make sure that her son, her youngest son is, is going to be safe. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I would have liked something like that for sure. Yeah. And actually but, looking at the scene itself, the moment itself where she looks at Rio, she gives the same look to fly Rico. So it's more what have you done to my boy that he's here? That's kind of what the look means. It, it didn't look like a moment of recognition from Maria to Rio yeah. being mad. It looked like a moment of who are you two people that have stolen my boy away? But yeah, ex- no, exactly. I, but I think as well, just in that scene, I thought it was, like really just really really good mm-hmm. um really heartbreaking oh, um and yeah i was just like going mateo when he goes she's right you're not welcome here i just thought i can't believe he just said that to maria vega mm-hmm. to to his own mother um it really was heartbreaking um and i i, I like to your point chris this uh, idea um belief in one thing or the other. And in this case, it's the faith in the Pachucos that this is only how he can move forward yeah. um, rather than he, the love and the faith of, of his own family. Um, and we see him really um, taking a, a pretty deciding line here. And um, of course, yeah, that has implications as well to how Tiago has been thinking um this this whole thing has played out yes. um and yeah. it has consequences on that side as well yeah absolutely yeah. i thought it, like i said it's this this faith versus love theme is starting to 
is very prevalent throughout this episode, like not going backwards, but from the Tiago perspective, it's the his love of his family and his brother versus his faith in the 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 system of justice of the police force of of what justice is. Mm-hmm. It's it's this prevalent, and it even goes back to Molly. This is my other point. Yeah. This faith versus love. Um, she starts to talk about how she is falling for Tiago. Mm-hmm. She has feelings for him. Um, and over her, her buttered molasses with, what was it? Maple syrup? Sugar? That was the molasses. So the molasses yeah. is, is sugar and it's butter. And it looked to me like grits. Um, yeah. That's what I was thinking it was. It was, uh, butter, molasses and grits. Look, that, that's a, like a porridge of some yeah, description, kind of. It, yeah. It's a reasonably regular Southern American dish. It's a it, yeah, you see it in a lot in the South. Okay, I didn't know it did not look appealing. Not mm-hmm. gonna lie, <laughs> I, I will happily try it if someone wants to send me some and tells me like this how you prepared. I or next time I'm in the South, it. I will try it. Probably wouldn't uh, post it. Yeah, the envelope might get soggy. Pretty sticky envelope, definitely. Yeah. But you can seal it with the molasses. Sticky envelopes. Way (laughs) still PG thirteen. Oh yeah, Um, but it's this. This scene is difficult because what we do see it's this faith in her flock. Mm, Yeah, uh, faith in her faith. Her faith of her faith in God and Jesus and her flock. Too many faiths that uh, roll back. Yeah. <laughs> it's her faith in her faith. Gotta have faith, faith to faith. Ooh, I know. I thought you were going to burst into uh, out of tune George Michael rendition. <laughs> hey, it's all about that. Baby! <laughs> At least I'm not doing it with a German accent. No, that would, that would be awful. That would have been Thankfully. awful. But anyway, this discussion they have over breakfast. So Molly and her mother... It's that push and pull of, I want to be Molly, simple Molly, real Molly, uh, and I I am starting to feel or love towards Tiago to be that normal person, versus my faith in, my as her mother says, the flock. Your flock will be disappointed. Your flock will have problems with this because they will not agree to you leaving. They don't care that you want a normal life. Mm -hmm. They just want Sister Molly. So... It's this push versus pull, the faith versus love, faith yeah. versus love yeah. of family. Like it's, and it's a tough one because you do see she chooses the flock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or we're led to believe she's choosing the, pl- the flock because yeah. that, that last scene with her is her standing and singing uh, the song, which kind of talks about the lost love and the one I will never have. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, but not for me, the Aaron uh, George yes. Gershon song that she's singing, which is specifically about everybody else finds love, but not me. Like it's, it's, it's definitely hammering the nail in the, in the idea of herself and, and Tiago as a friendship uh, and a relationship. Um, but this definitely feels like something that Miss Adeline has used, a lever that she's used a number of times over the yeah. years, uh, to pull sister, Ma- sister Molly back in line. You know, um, if you do this, everything falls apart. Everything we've built. Uh, the charities that you've built, the girls' school that you've set up, all of that stuff falls apart because we lose all of the support. And she loses all of her money. She loses all of the support that the church gets from their congregation. Yeah. Um, it's probably disingenuous, I would think. You know, it's it's one of those things that you hear... I know it's slightly small time, but you hear it from like the Disney kids. You hear it from the, uh, from the kids that are, that are recording records at 15, 16 years old, you know, and, and all the boy band and girl band people are always told by their managers, you can't get into a relationship because then 
all of your fans will distance themselves from you. They'll all walk away and you'll lose all your money. And that's that's the pressure that's put on them as they're uh, going into their careers. And this is the same type of pressure that's being put on Molly to become Sister Molly, the stage version of herself. Um, but you do hear from her mother saying, you know, you tell yourself this lie. There's two different versions of, of Sister Molly. There's there's only been yeah. one. Um, so I'm not too sure with, with uh, Miss Adeline. It's a very short scene again between these two. And there is a lot going on with so many characters in the show. It is telling the story of an entire city, really. Um, so sometimes some of these intents behind, some of the intentions behind these scenes can be slightly lost or a little bit muddled because they're, uh, it's just such short scenes. And I'm not yeah. too sure how much more time we're going to spend on this idea of poor little rich girl is, uh, is the forefront of a church that's making a hell of a lot of money and uh, taking people's money by saying to them she has a direct connection with God and her saying, well, I don't want that. I want to go off with my boyfriend. Yeah. You know, I'm not too sure whether that's going to be a central story for the rest of the no. series, but it feels like it's something that has been uh, touched on in almost every episode. And either we need an episode with Molly, with a flashback perhaps, to her past, that it feels more connected to the show. Because uh, we, as we've said before, it's also not connected to the Magda storylines, which tend to be all the central stories throughout the season. Unless, as you were saying last week, somehow she's calling on Santa Mosa, but we need to kind of see that. Yeah, I mean, I thought this was a nice scene between Molly and her, her mother. Um, and I think in, in that, I mean, it was important to have um, this idea that her mother, um, you know, is talking about, you know, at the moment, I, I, I've kind of gotten the impression from Miss uh, Adelaide uh, that she would just simply send out Randolph and it would be like punch, punch, hack, hack and problem sorted. And I think this idea that, you know, maybe she's more than that, okay, mm-hmm. he, that he's just following her um, and maybe takes action. But here she's trying to reason with Molly um, as a mother would, I feel. And I think that's, I know it's a different because it's, it's mother daughter, but also effectively a business. Um, yeah. Seeing the mm-hmm. amount of cash re- registers that were ringing in episode one, and someone um, around that breakfast table is responsible for the death of the four Hazlitts as well. Yeah, which is still in the back of my mind. I'm like, why do so we not know this? I, yet? I thought this was necessary, um, because. And that's the thing. It will be interesting to see how that plays out, given what's happened in this episode now with Diego, where he's effectively taking the fall. So I think it was important to have uh, this conversation between the two and and see how um, it it, it kind of connects in more um, to possibly what's happening with Diego. Um, But yeah, there is a lot of stuff going on with four episodes to go. So Mm -hmm. um, I suspect it will be fairly rollercoastery, actually, uh, with what's happening. Absolutely. It's it's really interesting to see this this faith versus love, be Mm -hmm. it the faith in the flock, faith in the Pachicos, faith in the justice and serve and protect and the police force versus your love of to be simple Molly, your love of family, your, your love of your brother. Like it's, it's interesting to see how they're not contemplating it, but playing them off each other. Mm -hmm. Um, and when you think one would win very much, I thought family and mother love Mm. would beat out the love of the, the faith in the Pachuco code and the Pachucos. No. So yeah. it's it's that it's that I thought the love of simple Molly uh, uh, and the love of Tiago would beat out the faith in the flock. Right? No. Yeah. So it's that I thought the 
the love of the force and truth, justice in the American way, and <laughs> would beat out the 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 love of a brother, right? Uh, Especially no. when he's confessed to murder. So yeah. exactly, and yeah. that's it. So it's just it's flipping what you would believe. Yeah, I have to say though, Jonathan Knives is playing that role really well. That uh, Cody plays Mateo. Um, he looks absolutely terrified. You know, there's there's that conversation that we already spoke about with Lewis saying he looked into the eyes of Diego and goes, "This guy didn't kill anybody because he just looks scared about going to prison." Uh, to from Lewis's point of view. The way Jonathan Knives is playing Matteo is he looks terrified as what he's just done. Yeah. You can tell that he's murdered somebody and he's looking around the room at everything that's going on. You see Fly Rico acting like nothing's wrong here. We're just hiding out. You know, they're listening to the radio and he's laughing at the idea of uh, the ventriloquist dummy having a radio show. Uh, he finds yeah. this hilarious and Matteo is, is like, focus on this. Focus on the fact that I just murdered somebody and it's a cop. You know, um, that's why he throws the radio across the room, I presume, to smash the thing up because he just can't understand why everybody else seems to be so calm in the circumstance when he's just f- told his brother that he's murdered a cop and his brother's after him, you know. So uh, I really love how he's playing that. that particular yeah, and role. He, he looks actually to go, he wants to go and own up, mm. but is dissuaded um, by by Rico yeah. and Rio. And yeah. so he's told he, just to let yeah, not take the blame. He's play, he is playing it really, really well. Um, even just the look on his face. I mean, I just felt the kind of, no, you don't belong here. Well, he didn't even say that. You're not welcome here. Um, to Maria. like to, uh, Maria, mm-hmm. his, his mom. And uh, just like, yeah, you can believe he thinks that in that. It's great, uh, great acting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, just onto my final point, if, uh, if you guys are done with, uh, done with your elements. Um, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's not much left for me to take, but that's fine. We talked about all the big moments from the episode. I'm just going to want to make you that. Get, you get the big one next week. <laughs> exactly. For once, we won't let John take the big one. Oh, no. That's fine. Mine wasn't the big one. (laughs) (laughs) But the other element that's just not, I haven't really talked about that much is just, I found it interesting. We're on the sixth episode of the show in the second half of the season. And every episode we have had a lot of Magda controlling things, either through her actions or through her, uh, her conversation, actions in second and first and second episode from actual Magda or through the words that she's saying to people and they're kind of enacting what she wants them to enact. In this episode, we only see Rio once. And she doesn't really say much. She tries to tell uh, Maria Vega not to come into the the place to see her son. But Maria gets by because uh, Matteo wants his mother in there. But we don't see her anywhere else. What we do see are the ripples of the things that she'd put in place. We see the fact that Alex has set up um, Kurt and Tenzin together. We see how that's playing out now. They are definitely the right people for each other because they seem to have similar beliefs. And Kurt is definitely doing his work now to push Tenzin into an even more um, racist place, possibly, and even uh, an even more controlled place, definitely, from the Germans, which is exactly yeah. what Alex wants of him. Uh, and then we see the other side of it, which is the one we haven't talked about yet. Dr. Kraft has absolutely fallen for the manipulations of Elsa. Um, he's now leaving his wife, taking the children, and doing something absolutely abhorrent. Um, I, think, I think this kind of gave me a little flag again back to the treatment of Vanessa Ives back in season one of Penny Dreadful. This idea that he's just turned down to his wife and said, I'm a doctor, you're a drunk, doesn't matter why you're drunk, I'm going to be sending you off to a sanitarium for intemperance and hysteria. 
And if you yeah. kick up a fuss, you'll never see your children again. This was something, again, that we talked about a number of times with Vanessa Ives. She had a threat over her all the time that somebody would send her to a sanitarium. A man in a position of power would send her to a sanitarium because yeah. that that's just what gets done. And suddenly, even though we haven't seen Linda on screen very much, we have seen some very funny moments with her. But suddenly I felt for this character yeah, massively. Definitely. You suddenly feel this. She may be powerful. She may be strong. She may be willing to try and break up Elsa and her husband. But then you realize that the power is still in the hands of her husband at the time. Yeah. Yeah. He's still willing to send her off. But I do like how that scene ends. I like that the scene ends with her calling that out, going, you think you're powerful. You think you're strong right now. But let's just see how this plays out kind of thing. So uh, I did like how that scene played out. But it's really intriguing to me that, you know, just even that idea, this guy has just had a party for like 300 people over at his house. What's going to happen next weekend? Oh, my wife's in the sanitarium. I've got this hot blonde 25-year-old German girl moved in taking care of my kids. Like, you know, is all the rest of the yeah. community going to accept that, you know? Yeah, they, they, they would. But then, then at that time, they would because mm. she's in a sanitarium. Because yeah. that, that's one of the, I suppose that's one of the intriguing things that we saw a lot in the as I say, the Victorian version of, of Penny Dreadful was a lot of people were willing to just go through whatever they were going through to keep their reputation as a couple, as husband and wife. But it's well known that each each person was cheating on their partners with somebody else kind of thing. Um, whereas here it seems to be, right, well, I have a way of getting rid of my wife, which is send her off to the sanitarium and bring in this murderer to my house to take care of my kids. It's what's happening with Dr. Kraft because yeah. he's completely believing all of the stuff that she's telling. Yeah, I mean, I think... Um you know, Peter is basically, my notes had, Peter is awful. Mm -hmm. Like, what a despicable, dreadful man. And I kind of like the idea that Linda brings up about his dark, dark secret. Um, you know, she says, I know you, Peter. Mm -hmm. But at this stage, I want to know what that is. Yeah. Um, I want to know what that is because, yeah, it, it, it's, I can imagine Tom and Trevor's faces dropping to the floor when, all of a sudden, they've got um, Elsa in the house uh, and not um, uh, their mum, Linda. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm just kind of there going, yes, he may hold all the cars, but uh, his kids are going to go, what on earth? And Especially if Frank, and Frank is, is going to yeah. be the <laughs> late night stories. Exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think you're right. I think it's really good part of the show though that you know a character we've not really seen too much of just the way it was played um you kind of really do feel sorry for linda i mean you know um i was kind of there going look linda i'll come and join you and to to drown your sorrows mm -hmm. um because you know it's it's I just hope she gets vindictive and goes after him. Mm. Uh, that's what I'm really hoping to see. The full force of resting bitch face Linda um, yeah. sort of exact her revenge here. And it's certainly something that looking back on the series already, even in the only few scenes that we've seen with Linda, you can see now the separation. You can see that she had zero friends at the party that, that yeah. for her children. You know, it was... It was Dr. Kraft that was working the room. He was, Peter was going around to everybody, knew everybody, had all his German friends, also had all the other families. She was propping up the bar, and the only person she yeah. knew and was talking to was the bartender to serve a drink, serve a drink. So she's completely isolated uh, by everything that's going on. Well, so. the consequence of this is that Maria Vega may see another form of of Rio. So she has seen oh. Rio, and if Elsa comes to live with mm -hmm. the family... True. And she will sit. So I think that's probably 
what this mechanism is doing. Um, but, yeah. I, uh, um, but I do want to kind of understand Peter's dark secret because mm-hmm. it felt, because there's so much happening, it felt like a jump. You know, we've just had the kids' birthday party uh, and all that. And then it's been a couple of like dodgy bits of nooky nooky, uh, by an open window and then over the grave of a randomer who's been murdered and passed off as mm-hmm. a husband. Um, and like Linda was right about having some really odd, uh, odd fascinations. Yeah. In bed, really. So <laughs> odd kinks. Yes. I, I, th- I think the Peter story needs to crystallize and maybe it's crystallizing towards the fact that, um, this will be another Magda that Maria sees, mm-hmm. um, yeah. assuming that it looks the same because all, because otherwise, where's the crystallization here? Is it with Peter and the American German Bund uh, and that connection in with the Nazis? Mm-hmm. Is that's part of it? And maybe that's Elsa's drive here in this. But, um, and what's this dark secret and how is that linking in? Yeah. Yeah. It'd be really interesting to find um, out. So I think they need to just kind of spool up a bit with, um, with Peter. Yeah. Yeah, and, and his storyline. I think I think that's kind of the challenge as well. Like as we said, coming into the series, we have Rory Kinnear, who's probably one of the most well loved actors from the original Penny Dreadful, and the only one of the cast returning for this show. Um, I think everybody was expecting to, have to be quite central to the show, right? And you kind of could have chosen anybody else to do this particular role. So, um, but he is a great actor, really enjoying what he's delivering, but it's only a couple of minutes every week. So I'm hoping that we're going to get more uh, as this wraps up for the rest of the series. But that was my point was just, it was an interesting episode because uh, everything was spinning on from the influence of Magda, but Magda wasn't appearing in every okay, single, yeah. everybody's back pocket this time, uh, like she was. And, and all the rest of the episode. So only real for a couple of seconds, the episode. Yeah, no, I agree. And I agree. I, I like John's idea. Um, but give me more of this story quickly. Otherwise I will riot. <laughs> um, gentlemen, I think it's time we move on to notes of the dead. Yeah. Any notes for the episode? Um, mm, I, the only one that really kind of popped out to me was just a threat. I just thought uh, there's a reason it's there. I suppose more than anything else was the threat from Tiago of sending him to the brand newly built gas chamber in okay. San Quentin. Um, I, I'm sure it's there because obviously Lewis uh, fighting against the, the Nazis, well known for using gas chambers, but just even the description of everything that was going on there, um, them using it as a threat against Diego, uh, it felt like it was clearly positioned to reference what was going on or what will be going on in uh, in Nazi Germany. Yeah, that, that was the same note that I had. Um, the, the idea that actually... Um, the capital punishment in California at that time was in fact gas chambers, which mm-hmm. just seems like fairly horrific in its own sense. Uh, but that they were using cyanide gas like, uh, the Germans used as well seems to me equally, um, sort of horrific. But yeah, mm-hmm. because the, the same thing, you know, they were, passed off as showers in, in in the concentration camp so that they would be unclothed in the same way that um Tiago is saying um to that they just strip you to your your underwear mm-hmm. um and, and the same thing about breathing deeply or or holding your breath that it that was one of the big things that yes the instinct is to hold your breath yeah um, and that makes it worse. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, that's it for notes. Um, for yeah, that I know. Yeah. yeah. Same here. Chris, you want to kick us off? What did you think of the episode overall? I loved it. It was difficult to watch though, based on what we opened with this at the beginning of this episode. Um, I still, f- it still felt quite real 
in the current environment and landscape of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's hard to not see the parallels between what is me on screen and what is right on, well, as you guys said, what's on your other screen when you turn into the news or on your phone when you go onto Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, f- that aside, the, the, the story that John Logan and the rest of the writing crew and the staff and the, the actors are doing is fantastic. It is well done and it does grow. I am getting the Tiago story, uh, is fantastic and I'm happy with that thread line. There are one or two where I wanted to speed up because mm-hmm. we are down to our last four hours, less than four hours. Um, I'm sure they probably will, but the Dr. Craft storyline, we have theories of where it might go, how it might tint kind of twine into the greater story mm-hmm. because that's the thing. Most of these stories have to, twine and kind of come back on itself uh, like the aerobus snake mm-hmm. if you will it has to come back and eat its own tail in order for the story to make sense and that some of these characters are there all these characters are there are for a reason it's just right now that's not fully apparent it's mm-hmm. not saying it's not a good story it's just saying that i can't see where the destination is with some of these characters and i just want to as you said greg kinnear is a well-known actor and I'm assuming he would not have said he would come back if this means nothing. There is probably a reason he is playing this character. So, yeah, I just want to see where it goes. Um, as a whole, I'm still loving the season. It's just hard to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, this is two episodes back to back where I'm like, one, we had assault uh, and mutilation. And this, we've had racial abuse uh, and injustice. And it's just, oof. Yeah. Okay, can I just have one with unicorns and fluffy dolls and like Penny Penny Judful the the the, the Care Bear edition? Although I'm probably sure that would be really nightmare inducing. That probably would be Chris. Yeah, yeah. It might be the wrong show. Yeah, yeah. Okay, scrap that. We- Anywho, uh, Mr. Harrison, John, thank you. I was thinking we could have Penny um, Penny Judge Dreadful, which could be like this little girl with pigtails who heaps out. Dreadful punishments. Uh, I like am Judge the law. Dread. Oh, yeah. sorry, it should be. I am the law. <laughs> exactly. It'd be quite good. Um, my thoughts. Um, I love this episode. Uh, I really did. Um, my only slight complaint is I really want to know Peter's dark secret. Come on, yeah. Peter. Mm. Um, just let it all come on, Linda. You know, get over your hangover and spill the beans. Let us uh, find out. But uh, I, I really loved uh, this. I think this is my favorite. Uh, and that's why I'm giving it five distrustful, unblinking fish eyes uh, out of five. Nice. Um, and I, it's mainly just around the central interrogation. I, I loved it. Um, and I didn't know I loved it as much as I did until I watched it the second time. Uh, but I knew I kind of did after the first time mm-hmm. just because of that. Uh, Lewis Michener uh, tour de force uh, in the interrogation. And I think all the other little side um, scenes um, really felt meaningful, even though they were quite short. I mean, even Peter and Linda's, just because of how Linda uh, was there in that moment, it felt, as I say, still Peter and Linda's story, Peter Craft, mm. I need to know more, but I don't want that to take away from... And sort of the heart wrenching, 
um, reconnection of Maria, uh, Maria and Matteo. I thought it was nice having Molly and her mother sit down, just having this conversation rather than her mother seemingly completely sort of distant from her own daughter. Um, mm. even though it's an unusual situation. Um, I, I thought that was really good. Um, as well. And I think Kurt and Townsend on the beach, it was, um, it was just a nice little sort of ticking over of, of that there. But ultimately the star of the show for me was from the very opening, uh, where you have the, the long night, uh, and Detective Michener grabbing his flask of whiskey to that moment where he, um, is finishing the episode with whiskey poured, um, by the other celebratory cops, um, in, in the precinct because they've got their patsy. Yeah. And everything that goes in between there is massively tense. Um, it's sad. It, it's challenging. And I thought it was really, really good. And who knew, who knew that it would fall, um, at this particular time, uh, with the events happening, um, as well. So, yeah. uh, I, yeah strange how uh, the stars align i suppose but that's why um i give five distrustful unblinking fish eyes out of five (laughs) derek derek in unison now one two three derek Derek. what about you (laughs) um yeah i really enjoyed this episode that was really really good i I do wonder just to kind of echo what both you guys are saying i wonder if they just removed everything other than uh the storyline for um, for Tiago and Lewis and, and Diego uh, in the police station would it have worked better as an episode it's something that as I mentioned before they have done quite regularly on Penny Dreadful where they take a few characters and just have effectively a stage play with those characters um, the episode itself is almost I think it's just over an hour it's an hour and one minute long like it's it's the full length that you have, they have available to them on, on an, a TV show uh, at the moment so um, whether they could have just shortened that down or removed those other scenes out of them that didn't feed into this main storyline or maybe just keeping Matteo and Maria's meeting as well uh, in the episode because that's what the whole episode is about is Tiago trying to save his brother from going to prison and if you just have that little tag at the end maybe of Maria visiting her son uh, just to show what he's doing at this time maybe that could have worked for the episode but um yeah it felt like it was a total choice to have Dr. Kraft speaking to his wife at this point in this episode that felt like that could have been in last episode there's no particular need to stick it in here um there's no particular need to have curse and uh, castle townsend on the beach in this particular episode that could have been a different episode as well so it felt like editing choices once they have all of these elements of the story they go and we can probably fit in a few of those minutes here in this episode but i can imagine the tension that would have been there if the episode was purely about the interrogation in that room they probably could have really intensified it even more and it was tense as it was and very difficult to watch i'm not going to repeat anything we said at the beginning but this was definitely one of the most difficult episodes of tv i've had to watch just purely because switching off the news turning this on and switching the news back on directly afterwards felt like too much um this week so um i hope you all enjoyed the episode at least and enjoyed the performances of what's uh, of what's going on there. It's been a, a tough one to discuss uh, this week, but I'm always happy to be talking with you guys anyway. Yeah, it, as I said, like listening to this usually helps uh, parse my thoughts in a better and discussing this, I should say, with you two helps me parse thoughts. Um, but uh, when we're speaking of thoughts, um, I think it's about time we move on to some feedback. Hmm, speaking of thoughts, I like it. 
First of all, if any of you have any thoughts on this episode or in general, you can send them to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com uh, or join us on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries. We're also over on Twitter at tvpodindustries. First of all, we have some feedback on uh, episode five from the one and only Ronaldo uh, over from Australia, uh, or more importantly, should I say, the High Conchu, I believe, uh, uh, from Into the Night, a podcast, a Moon Knight podcast, excuse me. Um, he has a voicemail, so do cue it up, Derek. Hello gents, this is Ray, um, just dropping in some thoughts, albeit a little late, uh, for episode 5 of Penny Dreadful City of Angels. Uh, my gosh, there's a lot happening with this, I haven't listened to uh, your review as yet, but I'll be doing that um, shortly after I I drop these thoughts, uh, so apologies for any, um, I guess I don't know, double dipping on ideas or thoughts, which I'm sure you guys have covered uh, anyway quite extensively. But uh, I guess from my perspective, it was, yeah, it was great. There was just a lot a lot going on with all the characters. I love it. Um, uh, you can pick which kind of arc you want to follow. Um, I, I really, I kind of like how, I kind of like it and kind of a little... Uh, I don't know, a little um, cynical of it, of how the Vega family, I, I guess, are so um, integral to to the whole, to many stories of this. Um, so when um, uh, when Tiago's sister uh, met up with Molly, uh, and then it slowly was revealed to Molly that uh, she was actually the sister of Tiago. Um, it was kind of like, ah, <laughs> Molly must be thinking kind of what I was thinking of. Oh gosh, these, these, these Vega family members, they're, they're everywhere. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> and then also, um, Mateo as well, being caught up in, and, uh, and Tiago finding out that he was involved in, in the, uh, the slaying of Riley, uh, which kind of makes sense, of course. I mean, they um, there was an altercation um, with the, the cops and Matteo and, and his sister, whose name eludes me. Uh, so many characters, but uh, <laughs> but that was um, that was good as well. I mean, I love that um, the thing with Tiago not telling Lewis everything, and and I can understand how um, frustrating that might have been for Lewis, but also just how experienced he is, and I love how I love how. Um, how Lewis said in the car, he's just up front with Tiago saying, look, you know, I know that you're hiding something from me um, and you're quite, you know, volatile and unstable and, and all Lewis wants is to, to make sure that this very potentially dangerous situation, um, he's not charging in with someone who's a loose cannon. Um, so I, I really love that inter interplay between those two characters as well. Um, and then, of course, there's Natalie Dormer, um, just, just fantastic in her various roles, uh, whether it is for the councilman or um, or Elsa, uh, oh yeah, oh my gosh, Elsa and uh, and Craft, I loved how it tied into the beginning. So um, all you needed was that little thing at the beginning to drop um, to show that she's picking up this guy. And I was thinking when I first watched it, oh, what, what's um, what's happening there? But she's using him, killing him, and, and passing him off as her husband because it's all fabricated, we know. Um, so that was a le nice little clever touch. Um, also, finally, look, 
you know, I can go on and on, but uh, uh, Townsend, I thought, was, was really... Um, I loved his portrayal here because he is a guy basically kind of swooning, um, you know, in, in love, um, or at least the idea of love, um, after, you know, having spent a night with uh, that, you know, that killer, the, the assassin for, for Herr Goss. Um, anyway, I loved his uh, his take, uh, the way he was behaving. It's It was very good. I mean, it's a nice... A nice um, pick up and um change of pace for him because because something's entered his life he, he seemed a bit bit more carefree uh he was saying you know why not just um you know people got to live a little it's not all about work uh and and i love the dance that he did um my gosh anyone dancing in front of full glass um a full glass facade i i always worry that there's going to be a bullet or something um, uh, heading his way, but no, it wasn't. Um, and so that was that was fun, and um, I really enjoy all the all the music of that era as well. Um, yeah, so uh, a fantastic look. There's there's a lot more to cover. I'm sure you guys will go through it. Like that uh, that student who um, who. Um, runs into Lewis's friend at the diner. Um, you, you know, there's uh, there's more stuff with Kraft and and uh, how he had played with his his family, but left them to go see Elsa. Uh, so many things happening. Um, really love it. Um, I'm I'm watching it as as soon as I can. Every time it kind of drops. So apologies for this being a little late, um, but I'm hoping to still drop these in uh, because it's just uh, so cool to talk about. Anyway, all the best, guys. Uh, keep it up, and uh, yeah, I'll I'll be listening. Excellent. Thanks so much, Ray, for your thoughts. Uh, Ray was the co-host on our uh, on our Penny Dreadful podcast for uh, leading up to the launch of uh, City of Angels. But because it's in Australia and these episodes uh, come out uh, at different time zones, um, we can't get him on for the main part of the show. But good news just confirmed this week he will be on for our uh, our wrap-up episode, the episode after the end of Penny Dreadful City of Angels. He'll be on for that. Uh, we'll probably get him to announce the winner of our uh, of our table quiz, John, or our pub quiz. Yeah. Only, only if he does it in song. Yes, yeah, and with a drink in his hand, exactly. And in a German accent or a German Australian accent. (laughs) I now want to hear that. No, no. you mean German Australian accent? No, we don't. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, I was taking notes, and I was like, must stop dancing in front of uh, the windows in case (laughs) I get hit by a stray bullet. Absolutely. (laughs) I just connected Elsa to let it go. Yeah, that's where my brain went. But but Um, certainly, I I thought that. I must say, I thought there was something mm. worse going to happen to Townsend that, or we would see some kind of beat down uh, through that lovely. open expanse of 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 window i thought it was even simpler than that i thought he was right in front of this big glass window they've established that everybody in the city can probably see this big glass window and he's about to get a gentleman caller coming over to see him i just assumed the press were going to sit and be involved in this and there was going to be photographs of tenzent you know and um, thought that's How what it was going to be know there isn't yeah. but we all knew we all knew there was something uh, or all thought there was something sinister about those windows um yeah and those yes. Vegas do get everywhere. Mm-hmm. I think Maria Vega needs to start. Um, is there a candle for sort of blending into the background uh, that Santa Muerta can do? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> I, I think maybe. The camouflage she, candle. Yeah, yeah, camouflage candle. Um, uh, that's why she can't find it um, to, to, <laughs> to do her prayers. Um, so uh, I, I wonder if, uh, yeah, I, I did like Molly's look on her face. Though, Cause it was like, 
And no, I've just told the same story to your brother, but it wasn't the same. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-oh, going to get caught out. So thank you so much, Ray. Moving on, we do have a bit more voicemail feedback on episode six this time from the one and only, the illustrious Steve Brown. Hello, TV Podcast Industries. This is Steve, and this is for episode seven of Penny Dreadful, City of Angels. (laughs) Just blanked for a second. I just finished watching it for the second time. I just blanked in my head. Um, but I just want to talk about real, real quick, not spend a lot of time because I'm sure there's a whole lot that happened in this, in this episode. And I'm sure you guys are going to cover a bunch of it, but I, I wanted to, to talk about Detective Michener for a minute because I, uh, realized this episode, what I hadn't brought up before is that he really is good at being a cop. He's been a cop for many years and he really knows how to work the system. Even that system from that many years ago, he, he knows kind of how to, how to work it. And when he's talking to uh, Diego and, and telling him about when he goes to San Quentin and, and all that kind of stuff, it really reminded me if you ever watched The Closer or major crimes. There's a character, Lieutenant Provenza, who's the same kind of way. He's this older, more experienced cop who, whenever they need to know kind of how to work the system, that's, uh, that's the guy they, they go to. So I really appreciate, uh, Michener's, um, or Nathan Lane's portrayal of, of Michener in this. I love that we knew in the last episode that he could tell that Tiago was lying to him about something. And then in this episode, as we see him questioning, Diego, and then he even kind of uh, questions uh, Tiago there in the hallway and pieces together that it it was uh, De Vega's brother who who did the killing. And uh, so I just really like uh, this character. I like the way Nathan Lane is portraying him, and I uh, just wanted to appreciate that uh, for a couple of minutes. So can't wait to hear what you guys thought of this one. Talk to you later. Okay, episode six, not episode seven. Got my numbers out of whack this week. You know, I know why you've done that, Steve. It's uh, it's very difficult. Steve sent in feedback to a number of other shows um, uh, where we are some of the lucky ones that get feedback from, from Steve every week. So I can only imagine, especially as well, doing his own podcast, I'm sure, uh, getting mixed up on numbers for episodes must be uh, very, very tough. So uh, well done, Steve, for keeping it together and at least naming it correctly for me so I knew which episode to play it for as well. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Lewis Michener... He is good at being a, a cop. You you can really sense that he hustles and he uses his brain to to do what he needs to do. He yeah. understands the ecosystem that he's in in that in that precinct. Absolutely, so, and I even love that moment where he says to Diego, "I was just telling," or when he says to Diego when he comes back in, he says, "I've I've been talking to this guy Diego, saying I've done this many many times over the years." I've been here a long time, maybe too long, is what he's saying, because he's seen it all, and it's not all good uh, in there as well. So I uh, really like that little moment yeah, from, absolutely. from uh, Yeah, thank you, Steve, so much. And, of course, uh, big thanks to Ronaldo mm-hmm. for uh, the feedback. But speaking of Ronaldo, I, I think we have uh, some more feedback through, this time on episode six. Um Ronaldo says, I've just watched it and my gosh, what a tension-filled emotional chapter. Understandably, all the other threads of Molly and Adelaide and Peter and Mrs. Kraft seem to take a backseat to the interrogation of Diego by Vega and Michener. The tension is built around Diego knowing the fourth gang member uh, is Mateo and holding that over the 
ever nervous Tiago. I have to give props to Adan Rocha for his betrayal of Diego. The full spectrum of whimpering fool to manipulative criminal is seen here. And for me, he more than ably supports the episode. Mm. The relationship between Vega and Michener is strained, but I'm glad Tiago finally tells Lewis. What I didn't expect was for Lewis to then weave in the Hazlitt case and pin it on Diego. Nathan Lane again shows great acting here, and Michener and Vega's faces at the end tell the whole story. Mm-hmm. Other scenes of note for me, the utterly heartbreaking scene of Matteo rejecting his mama. He certainly has fallen down deep into a black hole and the brief confrontation of Mrs. and Dr. Kraft again shows how tenuous a hold anyone seems to have during this episode. Just as the power play goes back and forth between Vega and Diego, so too does it with Dr. Peter and Mrs. Kraft. Mm -hmm. Incidentally, the plans Peter has for his wife are so callous and calculating, I think even he was surprised at how cruel he could be. I enjoyed this episode, but I'll put in just one quibble from the writing of Logan and Wilhelm. The the writing seems to be just a little top-heavy with lengthy monologues. Kurt gets to give his origin and onset of joining the Gestapo. Townsend then follows that with a cute story about why he loves L.A. Tiago gets to shine, opening up the interrogation. Diego talks of mud hens, and then Michener tells Diego of growing up in a different time. It's how the class difference is always there. Great fun for the actors, but for me, it started becoming quite apparent. Anyway, I'd give this three and a half out of five bullets in the chamber sitting in the gents. <laughs> yes, well, you, well, maybe you don't want to shoot too much uh, in the gents. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, I'm mostly invested in the Vega family, hoping the other threads can bring more to the series very soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ronaldo. Thanks so much, uh, Ronaldo. Uh, yeah, definitely, um, I think, uh, agree there with you, um, uh, around, uh, Edan Russia for sure. Mm-hmm. I thought he, he, he really helped, um, that trio. It was really just fantastic, uh, everything that they were doing. And, um, I like the, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I wonder whether, uh, Dr. Kraft was surprised by how cruel he could be because of this dark secret. I'm just wondering, maybe it's not something that uh, is new to him. So yeah. I, 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 it's an interesting one. I it's d- certainly yeah. callous and calculating, yeah. uh, definitely, and that's what makes it so despicable. Yeah. Um, I didn't pick that up. I felt like he'd been rehearsing the speech almost um, so that he could negate anything that lend any objection that she might have had. He already had a plan in place for her and... If she makes a fuss, she wants you the kids, and this is what I'm doing, this is what I've got on you kind of thing. Uh, and then when she has the audacity to not know the game, the name of his harlot, he instantly corrects her. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure whether he whether he felt that he was being going over the top or he was frightened by how far he was going. I felt like it was quite planned, actually. Yeah, for sure. I see where Ray is going with the uh, monologue piece, mm-hmm. but actually I don't think this is on Logan and Wilhelm. I, I I feel this is probably the editing. Right. I feel this was they 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 could decided, which you know what we can we can stick in that the Townsend and Kurt story here, mm-hmm. um, rather than making it Tiago heavy and Diego heavy. Yeah. Um, because if it was just three, it yeah, like three grand. But when you go five monologues, yeah, I can see where. <laughs> Um, Ray is coming from. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, it feels like an editing decision. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree. I think, um, I, I, I like 
the the monologue of the Mortens and Michener, um, I think that's really important to how Michener kind of operates. Um, and I, yeah, I, I, I suppose it, it's one of the ways of finding out about, uh, some of the people, certainly with the curse and Townsend, uh, aspect, uh, for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I like the Mortens and, and the Michener class difference thing. I thought that was really important to how, he kind of set it up and mm. it's, yeah, I liked it. Thanks, Ray. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Ray. Yes, thank you so much, Ray, for your feedback. Don't forget, we'd love to hear from all of you. You can all go over to our group at TV Podcast Industries over on Facebook. So facebook.com slash groups slash TV Podcast Industries and leave your thoughts for each episode in the post Mark spoiler at post for this episode absolutely and while you're over there since i still still after seven seasons haven't had the opportunity to do a podcast about agents of shield i've started a thread weekly for a spoiler post for agents of shield season seven which started last week so look at least if i don't get to talk about it in the podcast hopefully i can talk to our lovely listeners uh, about agents of shield in our little group there but keep it there this is an AOS free zone. <laughs> yeah. No, but I actually did love the the the, the opening. It was yeah, it was it really was, good. It it was, was really good. good yeah, and set in thirties America as well. Yeah, How weird yeah, exactly. is that? <laughs> but that is enough of AOS. It's an AOS free zone. But if you'd like to discuss AOS, go over to facebook.com slash group slash TV podcast industries mm-hmm. and jump in and discuss it with us each and every week as it airs. Well, me. You can also <laughs> send in, uh, I know I'll, I'll throw some thoughts in there. Excellent. You can also email us your thoughts to feedback at TV podcast industry.com. Or if you really want to, you can leave us a voicemail by going over to the website, TV podcast industry.com. Or if you need to just record it on your phone and send it to feedback at TV podcast industry.com. Gentlemen, I do believe it's time to head to the pub. Yeah, it's about like 27 degrees in our podcast room here. Yeah. I'm dying for a drink. Let's get on to the pub quiz. Well, sadly, um, it, it's not a very cooling drink that I'm offering uh, in, in the pub uh, this this week. It's been a long night, and of course, it's going to be an even longer day. So grab a hip flask of whiskey for this week's pub quiz. <laughs> yes. Remember, uh, fellow dreadfuls and penny faithful uh, to send in your answer to the questions for each episode of the City of Angels pub quiz. Uh, just send it in to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Mm-hmm. You can send them in one at a time as the episodes fly by or put them all down right at the end and send them in. But make sure to get them in just before our ra- wrap-up episode uh, for um, S- Penny Dreadful City of Angels. Mm-hmm. But to this week's question... What soda does Diego ask for while being interrogated by Lewis and Tiago? Ooh, very good. He mentions that a few times, actually, in the episode. Yes. What soda does Diego ask for while being interrogated by Lewis and Tiago? I'd certainly like one of these right now. Yes. I got you. That's why I'm kind of like, oh, yes, yes. I'm like... (laughs) Very soon I'm going to start panting like a dog just to keep myself <laughs> temperature regulating. Well, as long as you don't give away the name of the soda, you're allowed to do that, Chris. <laughs> I've never heard of this soda. Okay, well, there we go. Excellent. Oh, I have. I have. <laughs> it's it's probably, a very American. Probably an American LA type uh, type soda. Uh, if you want to have all of the questions uh, for the pub quiz available to you, 
easily, let's say. Uh, pop out over to the website, tvpodcastindustries.com, and you'll find a listing of all of the questions. Uh, no major hints, just a few images from each of the episodes about roughly where they may appear. Um, but that will make it a little bit easier if you've missed some of them on our extensive discussions about Penny Dreadful City of Angels. But, of course, you do not want to make things easy for yourself, so make sure you go over to subscribe at TV Podcast Industries and go back and listen to each and every episode <laughs> on this season. And at the end, we always have the pub quiz. Just make sure you give it a download, give it a like, subscribe to the feed, and sure, share the podcast, because sharing the podcast is sharing the love. We are also over on patreon.com slash TV Podcast Industries, and we would love your patronage in patreon so subscribe to us there for just even a simple dollar and you'll get some fantastic patreon only content and gentlemen do you want to tell them what's coming very soon yes we have announced it before but i'll announce it again we will be covering captain america winter soldier uh, as an exclusive patreon only movie review uh, available to everybody over on patreon they voted on that uh, you all voted on last month uh, and gave us the idea to do a movie because uh, we haven't done marvel in so long and it seems like it's going to be oh i don't know when black widow's coming uh, at some point this year but it looks like we haven't we won't be doing very much marvel this year we thought we'd be doing loads but uh, a little movie hopefully will uh, one of our favorites i think will hold us over until the next time we do marvel yes i recently reread uh, uh, Ed Brubacher's original mm-hmm. Captain America Winter Soldier and it still holds up yeah. even yeah, today really Brubacher is a legend totally yeah, definitely he really is yeah. but gentlemen I think that's about time we head off into the dark much like Mama Vega and just walk <laughs> and shamble towards the camera with the darkness behind us absolutely yes we'll be back next week with Penny Redful City of Angels episode 7 Maria and the Beast oh Sounds good. Beauty and the Beast. I have a feeling that if you're looking for a supernatural episode of Pain Dreadful City of Angels, Maria Vega meeting the Beast may be uh, what's coming in episode seven. Sounds Ooh. pretty awesome. Excellent, excellent. Thanks yes. very much for joining us. We'll talk to you again next time. Thank you so much. Goodbye. So long. And see you next episode. Excellent stuff. Uh, thank you so much, fellow Dreadfuls, uh, for joining us and fellow Mud Hens. Uh, remember, keep watching, keep listening, and keep playing dead. And keep sweating. Oh, it's summertime. Yeah. Keep yeah. drinking ice cold drinks. Mm-hmm. And keep safe, everyone. Thanks very much for joining us. Bye. Stay safe, guys. Yeah. Stay safe. Bye. Bye.